Hello, everyone. It is Monday morning, most likely, where this is finding you. I'm recording here on Sunday. It's March 13th. It is a gorgeous day outside in St. Louis, Missouri. I have already caught the vitamin D, and I'm feeling it on my skin. Uh, This pasty, uh, ghost-like body that's been cooped up for the past like four months with COVID and snow and rain and slush. It's just been nasty. And I was outside walking Maisie the Hound, and there's been some transactions happening as far as free agency in Major League Baseball. And then I realized tomorrow it's going to be the legal tampering period of NFL. And then we got March Madness. I know Selection Sunday is about to happen here in a few hours. It made me realize there is so much going on. Let's just fire up the equipment and get a little Sunday pod here for you guys to start off your week. Uh, There's so much going on. I know I want to talk about the new CBA before it kind of gets put on the back burner because I got some monster thoughts on that as far as what the players ultimately chose to do. And then let's just spring forward along with the clocks on our phones and in our houses to talk about really the free agency needs. So let's get to it. It's episode 78 of the podcast. You know, one thing that's been repeatedly asked, whether it's in uh, the reactions in uh, columns, pieces online, or even just what was asked to Rob Manfred after the new CBA was struck was who won the deal. The answer 100% of the time is the Major League Baseball owners. They will always win. And that's what you have to factor in if you're the players union. You're not going to get everything. And in this one that they ultimately chose to do, it was very telling and something that I was repeatedly saying on prior podcasts The union was not negotiating like they were trying to portray to the media on their Twitter feeds. Max Scherzer, Andrew Miller, Marcus Stroman, uh, even like uh, Alex Wood, a great pitcher for the Giants. They all kept saying how they're trying to negotiate for the young guys, the elite stars who have not been able to pass the major league minimum, go to arbitration, free agency. That was fucking bullshit. Because you know what? There's votes that back it up. Votes from that executive subcommittee, the the Andrew Millers and Max Scherzers and Garrett Coles of the world who, guys who have millions of fucking dollars in the bank, they declined this CBA that was ultimately agreed to. So you got the executive subcommittee of those aforementioned players, and then you have the players' reps. So one for each team. I think it's a total of 38. They voted 26 to 4, 30 total teams in Major League Baseball plus the eight on the sub-executive committee, who all eight of them declined it. That tells you right fucking there, they're not for the younger guys, because this was a hell of a proposal that they ultimately agreed to. They are not for the younger guys. They were still caught up on the competitive balance tax. They wanted more uh, from the owners. They wanted them to raise the, uh, the, the, the total, because that's what affects them. They're the ones who make 30 plus million dollars, and that's the one from an accounting perspective really affects the competitive balance tax. Excuse me, not the younger guys. They're the ones making 700K, and that was over 100, what was it, 120 million raise if you're a minimum salary player? That's fucking enormous. You would be ecstatic if you're, if you're um, Vlad Guerrero who made 550000 I think he was in his second year, or whatever it is. You just got a raise of like 120000 That's fucking enormous. So there's all these different accolades that you can achieve and then earn from the bonus pool, uh, plus arbitration. 
is going to be a, a more, you know, streamlined process. So, you know, from a player standpoint, this is a W. You're never going to win against the owners. They own the fucking team. They're always going to make profit. They always will. And I really think just the the votes here are a telltale sign. Like Scherzer, Miller, Cole. I hate to, like, uh, even Zach Britton. I know he's on the Yankees. He's currently injured, but he's a part of this committee. You guys are full of fucking shit, bro. You guys were trying to get way too much. You think you can fleece the owners? Yeah, fucking right. They will always take you to the cleaners. And, and this CBA, uh, what they ultimately agree to, the younger guys, the player reps, the guys who understand that they have to vote based off what their team is saying, really what the entire body is saying, they they got it right. They approve this. Major League Baseball is back. And all the folks that were dogging Manfred as far as like, you know, just hurting the game and canceling Major League Baseball. It's like, yeah, fucking right. You know, th- those deadlines that he put down, the players ate right into that. They didn't call his fucking bluff. What happened after he put those deadlines down? Momentum. <laughs> they started actually making proposals. Yeah, they were steamrolling with momentum, and then you got to the agreement on, what was it, Thursday. So, yeah, baseball is back, and as far as the key points that I'm looking at from the CBA... Maybe the most like under the radar thing other than the player options, guys can only shuttle between major leagues and minor leagues five times. Teams like the Rays, uh, the Brewers, even the Dodgers, uh, Bemeth that they are, um, they kind of use it as like, you know, a taxi squad. Like they just send you down, rest you, bring you back up to the major league uh, roster so you can get some innings and um, they use it that way. Now you can only do it five times. But I think the... Uh, amateur draft, because I know there was a lot of talk about the international draft that still is like um, in progress as far as hammering that out. The amateur draft, I think the biggest thing is the Kumar Rocker rule, where now if you select a player, you have to pay them, it's like 66% of the slot value. So now, you know, if you're a player, you lose a lot of your leverage, but you're going to make a shit ton of money. So it's going to be interesting if you're like a college player who has a really down year, but maybe had a lot of potential the year before, say you're a senior at Virginia Tech or whatever, you're a college right-handed pitcher. Now, if you're the Pirates, you can take that guy knowing, hey, you know, we have his rights, and at minimum, we pay him 60% of what his slot value is. This could be a real upside pick, uh, and he doesn't have any leverage, and he can't go back to school. And then, you know, maybe if you're a junior, and a guy or a team takes you, and you have a year left, maybe you leverage that and say, you know what, I'm, I can make 66%, but, you know, I'm going to go back to school and, you know, pitch even better and then come out again, which, you know, I guess they've always had. But I think it's maybe one of the things, I know Major League Baseball draft does not get a lot of uh, publicity. That's something that I think might be pretty significant outside the whole lottery thing, which I think is huge. Big, big win as well for just the entire industry. You're not going to have teams tanking for the first, second, or third pick, which outside of the top five in baseball really is a crapshoot. You just do not know what you're getting. Even with those top five picks, you can go back in the last 10 years of the drafts and pick out, yep, bust, bust, bust. I mean, Mark Appel, um, even uh, Mike Bush, uh, from the Rays way back in the day. I know he later on pitched and success story was alcoholic and whatnot. So, you know, that, that was a feel-good story. But it just goes to show, baseball, there's busts all the time. And really, it's just those top three picks where it's like consensus, this is the best player in the draft, or uh, best prospect, rather, 
and everybody should be taking them. So, you know, I, I really like the CBA for both sides. I think even the 45 days that Man, uh, Manfred now has to just institute new rules, that's so big because he was so caught up on really trying to work with Tony Clark and the union, whether it was a pitch clock, whether it was banning shifts, whether it was one foot in the box. He always wanted to get the players on board, even though he could exercise the power in the next calendar year to institute a new rule. Now he just has 45 days and can say, yep, we're uh, putting in new bases or we're putting in a 60 second clock pitchers. If there's nobody on, you got to throw the ball. He can do that stuff now. And I think that's fucking awesome because baseball, the real issues are not really economic, which what the players were fighting for. The issues are changing the game and banning the shift. I was pounding the table for it for past like four fucking years. They have banned the shift or they will ban the shift. And I I love it because, you know, it's just going to open up grass hitters like Joey Gallo, uh, the Adam Duns of yesteryears. Those guys are going to be like legitimate hitters now. You're not going to have all this run suppressing um, from the dugout. And, you know, there's a lot of good things. There's a lot of bad things too, in my opinion. You know, DH, obviously, (laughs) like that's one thing just flying way under the radar. That would be like, you know, headline news in baseball. But because of all the other things that happen, really flying under the radar and I guess just generally accepted along with me. Uh, you know, there's going to be DH national league rest in peace. I'm going to miss the sacrifice bun. I'm going to miss the double switches. Uh, I'm going to miss just the uh, creativity with the uh, relief pitching and, and managers really doing their thing. So, um, you know, time moves on. That's what happens. NFL, they have made a boatload of money making changes without fear. Hopefully baseball is following in those steps. I, I like the CBA for both sides. Who won though? Unequivocally, it's always the owners. A friend just uh, texted me, loyal listener, Daniel Schmidt, uh, let me know that Tom Brady, and just so we're clear, Daniel Schmidt does not listen to my podcast, but he pushed to my phone that Tom Brady on his Instagram story teased that he might be coming back to the NFL. I guess he was with Cristiano or uh, Christian Ronaldo, whatever the soccer player's name for, for Man City. Uh, kind of a cryptic uh, facial expression that he might be returning to the NFL, which I'm all for it. There's a lot of good football left in that 44-year-old body, soon to be 45. I think it would be fucking cool if he comes back to the Bucks. Awesome. If it's the Niners, even sweeter. He's a Bay Area kid. I want more Tom Brady. Why? Because he's playing at MVP level. Should have been MVP this past year. Do I think it's going to happen? No. I mean, the, the guy's very calculated. The guy's very thoughtful. He's been tight-lipped his entire career at the podium in the NFL. Do I think he's just going to say, yep, I'm back? No, I don't think that's going to happen. Would it be cool? Yeah, it'd be fucking awesome. But I think the one thing with Brady now that we don't have to really kind of see him through that lens anymore, he's not going to be tight-lipped. He's not going to be, you know, in line with Patriot Way or just making sure he's company man being uh, setting the tone for the rest of the players and holding everybody can- accountable for what they say through the media, this guy can fuck with us now because he's you know retired. So he's teasing us a little bit. We'll see where it goes. But for now, we're going to talk about Cardinals free agency. They got a lot of needs for a team that rattled off uh, 17 wins in a row last year in 2021, made the wild card game outed by the Dodgers. They got a lot of work to do before they start April 7th in the regular season. I don't know how to rank them. I really want to see Kyle Schwarber on this team. I think 
Uh, left-handed hitter, 23 million one-year pillow contract because he'll probably want to re-enter the market. If he wants multiple years, Schwarber's going to be off the table. I do not think the Cardinals should do it, but I would love, love to see Schwarber in this lineup. They need to get better against left-handed uh, uh, pitching or just overall need a left-handed hitter that swats and swats for power. Schwarber does that. I would be so into that. However, Maze the Hound uh, is not into that, I guess, because she was barking up a tree. Good news about a podcast. You can just hit pause, get the dog to calm down, and then get back after it. And that's what we're going to do. So uh, left-handed hitter, Schwarber, I think it's a perfect fit. Um, I know they really, you can argue innings, starting pitcher innings is a bigger concern. Just with Michaelis, with Hudson, uh, Wainwright obviously getting older, although he's been durable. You just at some point have to feel like it might be the end of the line. That's why I think Zach Greinke, a guy that can provide those innings, maybe he's not going to be excellent, although I still think there's a lot of good pitching left in him. I think he can still flash at any point and really start off the year maybe on a really high note because uh, he is a veteran pitcher and has his arm pushed to those limits. I would love to see Zach Greinke. I think he would also fit in the clubhouse. And, you know, Dakota Hudson, the guy hasn't pitched like, since when? What, I mean, 2019? We're just going to insert him into the starting five? I mean, I guess that's okay if it's a starting six. Like, Zach Greinke would be another good candidate for just a one-year deal. Like, go ahead and push the payroll. Push the payroll up, and then you're going to have money come off the books after the year's over with Schwarber and uh, with Greinke, potentially. But also, you got to look at the bullpen. You know, the big three from Schilt was used, and, you know, Maybe this really is the biggest key is just stacking arms in the back of the bullpen for Ali Mar. I gotta get used to seeing it, saying his fucking name. Ali Marmol. He's a guy that he's gonna be a new manager. Okay, like 35 years old. He's gonna have to have some reliable arms to finish games. Like, yeah, you got your Wainwrights, got Michaelis, you got Flaherty. Like those guys have started plenty of games. Durability is an issue, but they've started plenty of games to where you can rely upon them in their role. Whereas with the relievers, you're coming off a year where there's been three guys that were really worked in the middle of the season, and then you added some capable starters and Lester and uh, and uh, uh, Hap that really covered some innings down the stretch for those guys to you know keep them fresh through 162 with Marmol. I mean, you need some established arms in relief to make life easier on the decisions you make. I always said this about Matheny. You know, he was a guy that you need to get capable arms out there that can go lefty or righty, pitch one, two, three, and just pass the inning off. And and I think with a new manager like Marmol, just like Matheny was, you got to do that same thing. And I think that's something that Mo kind of, you know, flunked on with Matheny. And hopefully he doesn't do the same thing here with Marmol. But we'll, we'll see where it goes. Um... A lot of things to cover. I know they just got the the Van Gershing guy or whatever from uh, from the uh, uh, Korean League. You know, he played for Detroit. I don't know much about him. Obviously, when those Korean guys come over, they do well. Otherwise, they wouldn't be coming back to Major League Baseball. I know they said he's a capable starter and reliever, so that's an arm, something that was on the back channel because it was announced like hours after uh, the CBA was actually finalized. So clearly, they had plans with the guy. Uh, prior to the lockout being uh, 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 consummated. So we'll, we'll see where this all goes. I really want to see Schwarber. I'd like to see Granke. And above all, you know, when it's all said and done, we might just say, you know, the bullpen is the biggest area of concern. 
you know, we give a lot of credit to the Rays. Obviously, they are pretty much the uh, first-class organization that you, you you look to if you are a small market team. But squads like the Twins, I know they had a down year last year, uh, but even the Diamondbacks, those guys just kind of stay afloat, and they sneak up on you as far as uh, the playoff berths. Like, I know the Diamondbacks at 17 and 18. Uh, the Twins obviously took the Central for two straight years. They're actually, like, right behind the Rays, along with the Brewers, Milwaukee Brewers, those small market teams that are actually just damn good at extracting enormous amounts of value uh, with, you know, low-wage players and guys uh, or just, you know, as an organization where you have limited means. And they just traded for Sonny Gray, gave up their 2021 draft pick, and they're going to get Sonny Gray for $12 million and I think it's $13 million this year, the first salary, the former salary being for the 2023 season. Uh, the Cincinnati Reds and their owner, Bob Castellini, fucking cheap as hell. Those guys never want to spend money. And it's kind of like a sneaky team that doesn't want to s- spend money. And, you know, it's kind of sad because great baseball town. Baseball, I'm pretty sure they say was like invented there, That you know, with the, the red stockings. And they're a squad that's not going to be in the Freddie Freeman sweepstakes. And that's what I want to talk about because this is a player that was on a torrid stretch his last 99 games. I saw the statistics here on MLB Network. I'm looking at Heyman. I'm looking at Robert Flores. And it's just great to see baseball back. And so is Maze of the Hound. But we've calmed her down. And with Freddie Freeman, I really think it is just two-team race. Dodgers, Braves. He's either going to resign with one of those two. The Braves, they're not really the type... Mookie Betts being the only exception to hand out contracts past the age or really long-term deals when you're in your 30s. I do not think they're going to make an exception with Freeman. They're really just going to make it a three, four-year pact that's just mega bucks, something that's unprecedented. You know, maybe as, as far as with a position player, I know they did it with Trevor Bauer. I see them being the only team that he leaves the Atlanta Braves for. I'm not counting out the Braves. I know the media is really down on them, and they're the ones with the scoop. So, you know, maybe I'm completely in the dark on this one. He wants to be a Brave. Players with baseball, they love spending their entire career there. And especially if you win a World Series championship, uh, you you want a player like him in the lineup, just a staple. Guy is so good. 16% strikeout rate. He had like a 334 batting average, which is Pujols-like in 99 games, the final 99 games with the Braves. This is a guy you want to resign. They really don't want to give him that sixth year, I guess. I don't know why. Like, it's okay, especially now that you got the designated hitter. This is a guy who's got a very astute hitting mind. He'll be able to hit into his, you know, late 30s, you know, 37, 38. I would be okay with that. And if that last year, you know, it's kind of an albatross, that's okay. And really with the way baseball's booming, again, the NBC contract, the Apple contract, the number might not be that bad. I said on last podcast, you know, money is (laughs) a, a, a plenty in Major League Baseball. It's not dying. So whatever the AAV might be with Freeman's contract, the Braves, they should just go ahead and give it out because he's a hell of a player and you just came off a title. You might be able to win it again uh, in the National League uh, because, you know, I really think they're, they're our favorites uh, along with, you know, the Dodgers, obviously. And I don't really – I think there's kind of a clear-cut top two in the National League, and they are that. Yeah, the Giants are right behind them. Uh, but really, it's, it's like a three-team race right now. Uh, as far as Chris Bryant, 
That's a guy that I'm surprised the Giants didn't want to bring back. Just the position versatility. I almost think, you know, he's not getting the love that he should just because he can play, you know, four, I guess technically five positions, but mainly four. Guy's a hell of a player. And he played well even after being traded. You know, the dark horse here, I think, is Colorado. The Rockies, I think, might want to make a play for him. And, you know, he would just obviously swat dingers like every other night, maybe every night at Coors Field. And he can play all over the diamond, which fits any team. You know, his contract, when it's all said and done, might eclipse the, not the Trout contract, but he might go, you know, second or third as far as richest contract ever in Major League Baseball history. And then Carlos Correa, um, Yankees out. I just don't see that happening. They're not going to bring in a guy. He's, you know, the, the animosity between him and so many players on that team still just way too fresh. And you don't want to rock the boat with that. I know um, they need a shortstop. I really see them going more the one or two year pact uh, with another player. The Tigers, I'm not ruling out. I know they just signed Javi Baez, but he's played a lot of second base. The Tigers, really good team, actually, all things considered. You throw out the first, like, six weeks, Tigers played really good baseball. Like, you know, average baseball, above average baseball, uh, with the new manager, second-year manager, A.J. Hinch. So I think they could kind of, you know, revisit this, go through the back door and look at Correa and say, hey, look, we want to make you a cornerstone of this rebuild. We got all this pitching coming. We have these young players and Torkelson and Riley Green. It's going to get good in Motown. It might only be, you know, one year before we're taking back the AL Central. Just going to do some quick hitters here with NFL uh, tampering about to happen. Um, You know, there's going to be some guys flying off the board uh, and then it'll be announced later on in all those moves as far as like Carson Wentz, who went to the uh, uh, Washington Commanders. Those will be, you know, formally announced, which, you know, with that move, I don't see how you do that. Like Washington, you didn't get better all that much better at the position. Like Carson Wentz doesn't suck. Uh, but I, I I don't know how you give up that capital after you just saw him fail with the Colts. The Colts wanted to get rid of him. And you are a less sophisticated offensive uh, system than Indianapolis. And if they couldn't fix him, what makes you think you're going to fix him or even just win games with him at that level? Now the Colts, they were a disaster. They lost on the final week of the season. But still, like they, they got rid of him for a reason. I don't know why you, you, you gave up all that, which it was like you, you swapped twos, you gave up threes, two three, uh, uh, two third round picks. I didn't like it. Uh, the Russell Wilson trade, obviously, you know, it speaks for itself. Um, the Broncos, that, that was a fair deal. Fair deal. And, you know, you're happy to have him. Seattle, you obviously wanted him out of town because you would have, you know, fleeced him if you really wanted to extract the biggest return. But they were ready to go after Aaron Rodgers announced it. So we've touched on that. Uh, With the NFL tampering period set to begin, you know, there are some names out there like J.C. Jackson. The Jets are probably going to be in on him. Uh, Also, Ryan Jensen, another name the Jets will be in on. And it just might be a classic offseason over there at uh, Florham Park where the Jets uh, run their operation. They are big spenders in free agency, and it never translates to the field. I don't know, like, what what do you have to do there? What do you have to do with the Dolphins? Those are places where it's like, why can't they win? New York, I feel like you should be able to win. Miami, I kind of get. Too much beach, uh, too much sunshine, uh, too too many distractions overall. I get why maybe you can't win games there. But the Jets, like, you should be better. 
I think it just starts with ownership. Woody Johnson, he's kind of a cuckoo. And uh, I know his son, Chris Johnson, kind of a, a whack job as well. So, you know, the Jets, look for them to be big spenders from everything that I'm picking up on. Uh, also, I know that Chandler Jones is going to have a hot market. The Arizona Cardinals have let him go. I wouldn't be surprised after they traded for Khalil Mack, which, which we'll get to the Bears in a minute here. Uh, the Chargers, they might just double down and say, we're getting Chandler Jones too. They got cap space. I know the Colts might be in play here because they got a lot of cap space as well. Uh, but Chandler Jones, yeah, I, I might just say Justin Herbert, rookie contract. We're getting Khalil. We got Bosa. We're going to add Chandler Jones as well, and we're going to be a menacing defensive front, and we're going to make life easier on our quarterback, who threw 30 touchdowns last year. There was like how many guys that threw 30-plus touchdowns? Chargers didn't make the playoffs. Yeah, like go ahead, get some defense, suppress points, and you know your offense is going to score points. They might be... Uh, big game hunting. Also, I know that Jameis Winston, all signs point to him returning to the Saints uh, along with a potential Deshaun Watson trade. Things are heating up on that front, but you know, I, I don't know what to like take seriously there because I know the criminal uh, allegations uh, were just like put to rest, but now there's the civil cases. I'm not a lawyer. I don't understand all of it. There's still something fishy going on there. I don't get all these reports that like something might pop up. I've been hearing this for a year and a half and, and no traction ever happened. So I, I don't know if I'm going to trust that uh, like any differently. And then Marcus Mariota, Colts might have him as the starter. You know, I kind of like that because when you look at it, Marcus Mariota, you know, made the playoffs, beat the Chiefs uh, with that wacky touchdown a few years back. He's, he's not awful. You know, he doesn't suck. He's just kind of, you know, okay. You know, you, you want a little bit better. The Colts might just say, We'll run with him. It's a poor division. Watson's not going to be with the Texans. Lawrence, second year, a lot to prove. Still a bad roster in Jacksonville. And then, of course, Tennessee, the guy that replaced Mariota. You know, it's all, if you have the team together, Tannehill will play well. You know, when it's all said and done, when they're at their peak, Mariota and Tannehill are the same player. Mariota just didn't have it during that uh, 2019 season. And then you go with the hot hand, they extended them. And, you know, Tannehill's been playing well ever since. I could see Mariota with a good offensive coach, great general manager in Ballard. He could have some success in uh, in Indianapolis, and they could take the AFC South. So I kind of like that a lot after two years as a backup to Derek Carr. And then when you look at the rest of the league, you know, the Houston Texans, like what are they going to do at quarterback? I kind of like the idea of running with Davis Mills. You know, they, you think that they might be a player – with Jimmy Garoppolo, yeah, I would like that, but then you have to decide whether you sign him to an extension because this is the last year. Davis Mills, he was like the most successful rookie quarterback out of all the guys that played. Like, he won games, and he was the most productive. I know the Texans didn't win a lot of games, but they got a couple wins under him. And from a production standpoint, Davis Mills is one of the best out of the rookie class. So I I like him uh, running the Houston offense. Uh, unless there's a better option. But again, when we're talking about Garoppolo, you got to decide whether to sign him up for a longer you know, deal. I don't know if I like paying market value for uh, Garoppolo. I, the big reason why I like him overall, he only makes 28 million bucks. That's a you know, pittance <laughs> compared to 30 plus million or 40 million like a lot of these guys are getting. All right, let's get to the Chicago Bears who won six games last year, six and 11. So not good. Obviously, sub-500. I think when you win six games, though, that's a big, big difference between two, three, and four wins. Like, 
you are an awful team if you're in that one to four range. One is just ungodly, unseenly bad. Four is awful. Uh, you know, six, like you're bad, but you know, you know, you can put up a fight. And that's exactly what Chicago did last year under Nagy. Gave him a lot of shit. They needed to move on. Correct move. Then they brought in Eberflus, who is like this, you know, forward thinking uh, philosophy guy. But then he also has like old school tendencies on the football field. And you got Ryan Poles, like, you know, trying to like speak into existence that his team's going to be good. But then this week comes and they trade Khalil Mack for a second and sixth rounder. And obviously they get his cap number off the books. I thought that was an absolute embarrassment to the Chicago Bears. Yeah, like you got to get your cap in order. Yeah, you got a lot of work to do on the roster. You are better off with Khalil Mack than without him. You won six games last year. Yeah, it's a very flawed operation. It wasn't awful, though. You won six games. Khalil Mack looks like Khalil Mack before that injury. And I get it, like, yeah, 30, but it's not some, like, magical number. When you turn 30 or 31, you just fall off a cliff. It's not like that. Khalil Mack looks really damn good. I feel like he's going to be an absolute star for the Chargers. And you gave him away for a second and sixth round pick just because you wanted the cap space. I would hope that the Bears come tomorrow, maybe by the time you're listening to this, have already had some big plans of free agency. But then they trade Tariq Cohen, who... For all intents and purposes, you know, he was someone that, you know, you worried about on the field. I know he hasn't played for a couple of years, so I'm not as like uh, adamant on this one, but you did just give up one of your better playmakers and you're putting a lot of stock into Khalil Herbert, who had a couple of really good ball games, David Montgomery, who's a good player as well, who you drafted. But you know, once you just start giving up playmakers, you gave up Khalil Mack, then you gave up Tariq Cohen. You're kind of like hinting strongly at what you're about to do, and that's rip it down to the studs. And I don't think that's a great idea, especially when you won six games last year. You you can make the playoffs potentially. I get Aaron Rodgers is back in the division. He's announced that. Packers are probably going to win the North, but there's no sure thing. Rodgers could, could, could go down for a month, and then maybe that's your time. Vikings have a new coordinator. Lions still stink. Way too many holes. You could win the North next year. Shit happens. It's a long year. It's 17 games now. And you're giving up playmaker, playmaker, and then it's Eddie Goldman. Eddie Goldman, good player. Earned a second contract. One of your best run stuffers on defense. Your strength of your team was your defensive line. You just gave away two of them. I understand there's cap concerns. But you know what? There's cap concerns with the Los Angeles Rams. What do they do? They figure it the fuck out. Same with the Seattle Seahawks. They figure it the fuck out. New Orleans Saints, for years, they figure it the hell out. Cowboys, they figure it out. All those teams, they're not perfect. But you know what they do? They contend. Rams, Saints, Seahawks, year after year, they're never a laughingstock. The Bears wonder why they're so bad. Because you make moves like this. I I got this whole regime already red flagged as someone that's just going to go down sinking. Eberflus, Poles, I don't see it at all. That's going to do it, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning into the podcast. We are talking baseball again. I love it. Music to my ears, music to my eyes. I don't think that's a thing. I'm just watching MLB Network. Goldschmidt hitting a bomb out of Wrigley on replay. Absolutely beautiful. Crack of the bat. They got players at spring training. Vlad Guerrero, 
Boba Shett, hidden dingers down there in Dunedin, Florida. Uh, hopefully, we'll have some more transactions to talk about. In fact, we will. We'll have transactions with the NFL, Major League Baseball, the podcast. Tell all your friends about it. Share, five-star. Send me emails. We got the text line, hotline still, 816-226-7483. You can slide up in the direct messages, at Pete4C. Also, the podcast at gmail.com. Get in touch. Get in touch with your friends. Let them know. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast.